Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. We have a very, I'm going to say, I was going to say interesting, I was going to say fun topic today, but I have a feeling it's going to be an intense topic today. So you may want to take a deep breath or perhaps I should take a deep breath before I go into this topic because you are going to feel my passion today. You are going to hear my concern with this topic, um, but you're also going to get my strong opinion. And I try to be very non-judgmental in my actions, in my work, but I have a feeling it's going to come out today. So hold on, you're you're in for it today. Uh, Today we're talking about how to control yourself around trigger foods. And I named it, the podcast, that topic, because I knew a lot of people would be able to identify. But I absolutely hate this sentence. How do I control myself around trigger foods? So there's actually a couple flaws in this sentence. How do I control? Let's first break down that word control. Control leads one to believe that there's no trust, right? You can't figure out how to be around this certain food, so you need to control yourself. You need to learn more motivation. We're going to go at it a little bit differently today, but I hate the word control. Control leads to non-trust. It's what diet culture has taught us our whole entire life. You cannot trust yourself around food. You cannot trust yourself to know the right portions for your body. So you need to buy my plan. You need to buy my exercise plan. You need to buy my meal plan to tell you what is best for your body. Every time you buy into the idea that you need somebody else to tell you what to do, you lose a little bit more trust with your own body. And I am so excited. I hope I'm not the first person to tell you this, but if I am, I'm so excited to have the privilege to tell you that your body will tell you exactly what it needs. You don't need somebody telling you what to do. You need somebody teaching you how to listen to your body so you can make the best decision for you. So I don't like this idea of control, right? The whole idea, you aren't smart enough to figure out your own body. I don't like it. In fact, I want you to learn how to coexist with foods, not control your foods. You need to learn how to coexist because if you're just constantly looking for tools on how to take away the effect and never dealing with the cause, you're going to keep getting stuck. I had a lady just the other day, she was talking to me about how she's done every program. She's done every Weight Watchers program. She's done every um, program where you purchase the foods ahead of time. Like she has tried all sorts of different things. And she said, you know, at the end of the day, none of these are helping me. 
yeah, I might lose weight, but then if I'm not learning, you know, why do I, why do I keep wanting to overeat? Why do I keep eating when I'm not hungry? If I don't focus on those things, I'm just going to continue struggling over and over. So that's what we're doing today. We're going to talk about how do you coexist with foods? We're not just taking them away. Every, I don't know, article on the internet, just like, well, just take them away. Don't buy them. Okay, well, what if you want to eat them every once in a while? Like if you ask me, what is a food that I struggle with? It's vanilla Oreo cookies. Now, historically, if I brought vanilla Oreo cookies into the house, I would probably eat a whole row myself. And then I would be really ashamed and I'd be embarrassed. And then I would strategically move some of the cookies from the other rows into the empty row so it didn't look like I ate an entire row. And there was a lot of shame and there was a lot of guilt around what I was doing. And so it was just one of those things. You can't bring them in the house. You can't have them because you can't control yourself around them. And so anytime I was in the presence of a vanilla Oreo cookie, I felt this immense stress and overwhelm. I mean, if you think about the definition of trigger, trigger means a very strong, uncomfortable emotional reaction to something that other people may not have that strong of a reaction to. Like for you, maybe vanilla Oreo cookies don't do it for you. You see a vanilla Oreo cookie and you're just like, okay, I mean, maybe, I don't, I don't know where me in the past, every time I saw a vanilla Oreo cookie, I would go bonkers. Like, oh my gosh, there they are. The beloved cookie. I want it so bad. But you know, if you have one, you're not going to be able to control yourself. You're going to eat the whole row or the whole bag. And that would always lead to a struggle too, because once you started, the thought was, well, I've already eaten a whole row. I might as well just keep going, make myself sick, get them out of the house. And then that way they won't be a temptation tomorrow. I know I'm not the only person to have ever done that, right? So we need to, we need to learn that we don't need control. We need to coexist and have compassion. All right, so that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. The other reason why I hate the sentence trigger foods is because of the word trigger creates such a deep emotional response, right? We're already labeling the food bad when we call it a trigger food. It has that negative connotation. And again, as long as we are categorizing foods as good or bad, we're always going to have an overwhelming response to food when we are consuming it. Whether that response be anxiety, whether that response is stress, whether it's shame or guilt. And that is not something that I want for you and it's not something I want for me. And at some point in time, I had to figure out, all right, what is this gonna look like? Like, I don't want to never eat a vanilla Oreo cookie again. I don't. So then I'm going to have to sit and figure out how to coexist, how to eat a few and be able to put them away, right? It's the difference between an answer seeker and a problem solver. An answer seeker just like, well, just tell me what to do. Okay, don't buy them. Easy enough. I can tell you what to do all day long. But a problem solver is one that's like, all right, this is my challenge and I am dedicated to figuring it out. 
Like I'm going to have to try a couple things. I'm going to have to try a couple things repeatedly more than once to gain some traction and momentum and some confidence. I'm going to have to be uncomfortable while I figure this out, but I'm willing to do the work so that I can move forward. That's the difference between an answer seeker and a problem solver. Today, we're going to be problem solvers. So I want you to think about what is your trigger food? What is that food that you tell yourself if you eat just one, you're going to eat the whole bag or you can't be trusted around that, right? Now I want you to ask yourself, do you want to live in that fear of that food for the rest of your life? Or do you want to learn how to include it into your diet, into a normal, healthy diet? If you're willing to do the work, I'm going to teach you how to do that. Okay? But the first thing we have to do, very, very first thing, is we have to stop calling them trigger foods. We have to stop giving them such a negative connotation. Food has no power over you. The only reason you feel like food has power over you is because you have assigned it power. For example, have you ever said the words like, oh, that cake is calling my name. It's just calling my name every time I see it. No, it's not. It's not calling your name. It can't. It can't talk because it's food. So stop giving it more power than it has. The more power you give to a food, the more of an emotional response you're going to have when you're in its presence. So at least tell yourself the truth. The food is not calling my name, right? I can't control myself around this. Yes, you can. But if you keep telling yourself you can't control yourself, it's going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the very first thing we need to do is watch our words. Are we assigning foods a good or bad um, title? Are we telling ourselves that these foods have more power than they actually do? And what do we need to say instead? Right? Sometimes it's just Oreo cookies are not a bad food. Oreo cookies do not call my name. Just even speaking truth can be helpful in those moments to stop the, the cycle. Foods have no moral value. When you call foods good or bad, you eventually end up calling yourself good or bad based off of whether or not you eat them. You've heard people say this all the time. Oh, I was so bad today. The next question is always, what did you eat? Right? We just associate being bad with eating bad foods. And that's not true. I tell my clients, the only way you are allowed to tell yourself that you are bad around food is if you stole it. And even then, you might have a good reason. So I might be able to justify it for you. Right? You are not good or bad based off of what you eat. Food is not good or bad, and it doesn't call your name, and it holds no power. So stop assigning it power that it doesn't have and making your journey harder. All right? We're not going to call them trigger foods. We're just going to call them food. Okay? All right, so that's step number one. We're going to identify what words we're using and what language we're using around these foods, and we're going to fix it. 
At least tell yourself the truth. You owe yourself that much. All right. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to, again, remove the guilt or shame around eating them. All foods can be part of a healthy diet. And you heard me right, a healthy diet. A healthy diet is one that is all-inclusive. I remember I was talking to a lady one time and she said, she was talking to her friend and she's like, listen, these dietitians they eat all different foods. They don't restrict anything. Well, she was talking about our office. I can't speak for other offices, but you know, they'd inc- they, they encourage us to eat all the foods. Like maybe we're doing something wrong. Maybe by making all these rules over food and what's good and what's bad and can only eat this and not eat that is actually hurting us versus helping us. And it was just such a nice thing to hear. It was such a, a testament to the work that we're doing in our office. And it just gives people back that trust that has been taken away from them for so long. Okay, so we're going to remove the guilt and shame around it. Again, no good or bad. We're not giving it power. We're not saying things that aren't true. We're not calling them trigger foods. We need to create that foundation first before we can move on to the next few steps. Now, typically, if we want to, you know, for the sake of the podcast, trigger foods, typically these foods tend to be higher in salt, sugar, or fat. They light up some of the pleasure centers of our brain, which makes them feel so much more desirable. All right. So again, a lot of things will tell you just don't have them in the house. Don't allow yourself to have them ever. But let's talk about if you want to include them in your diet, what would that look like? All right. So the third step is we're going to intentionally consume them at a time when we're not overly hungry. So perhaps maybe after breakfast would be a good time for you to consume this food. Okay. When you're hungry, when your blood sugar is low, when you're irritable or um, exhausted, it's probably not the best time to trial these trigger foods. Not the best time at all. We want to do it in a place where we feel comfortable, not stuffed, where we feel confident, we have, I don't want to say more motivation, but earlier in the day, we tend to be more connected to our health goals than the end of the night when we're exhausted. So if you want to include Oreo cookies in your diet and you want to be able to eat just a few of them, enjoy them and move on, perhaps try eating them, perhaps try to eat them after breakfast in the morning, right? Give yourself two cookies to eat. Give yourself permission. And then after you eat those cookies, acknowledge that you just ate two cookies and the world didn't end and you didn't go back for more, that you were able to stop. You were able to trust your plan and work it through to the end. We forget that the reinforcement is so important to habit change. 
We've got to acknowledge that we did a good thing so our brain remembers it and wants to do it again in the future. Where most people will go after they do a good thing is they'll be like, well, I mean, that's what I should be doing anyway. That is the worst thing you could tell yourself. Your brain is looking for reinforcement in that moment to say, great job. You did it. Acknowledge it. Celebrate it. So that way your brain knows, hey, she liked it. Let's do it again the next time that we're in this situation. That's how you build confidence with yourself and trust in yourself. You have to celebrate the wins after you do it. Again, no more, well, that's what I should be doing anyway. That's not helpful, so stop. All right? So, again, you have a food that is in the past been challenging. I want you to first consume it at a time when you're not hungry. Again, blood sugar low, more agitated, um, starving, ravenous. It's not going to end well. All right? So we want to make sure you're well fed. All right? Uh, The second tip, or I guess we're on tip number four, is consume the food in an environment where you're less likely to overeat. So that may mean consuming it around other people, right? Rather than in secret, hidden in the bathroom. Maybe that's just where I used to eat Oreo cookies because I had permission to close the door finally (laughs) and nobody could come after me, right? So think about this. Where do you tend to overeat the most? It's probably in secret. It's probably in isolation by yourself. We typically don't tend to overeat foods in company of others because of the fear of being judged. So if you're going to include this food because you want to, if you want to, then try to do it in a place, in an environment where you're not as likely to overeat, all right? So maybe instead of grabbing something out of the vending machine at work and taking it back to your office or your cubicle, you eat it in the break room. That is if the break room still exists, right? You eat it at a table where somebody at any point, any time could walk in and see you, right? Think about What is an environment that you could eat that food in where you're less likely to overeat? The fifth tip is I want you to be mindful. Now, guys, if you are not sick of hearing me say be mindful at this point, you have not listened to all 150 of my podcasts, which in that is the case, you need to go back and listen to all 150. We talk about mindfulness a ton because it's everything right? If you're going to eat a food that you have in the past considered to be a bad food or a trigger food, then my goodness, if you want to work it into your your routine, your day, your month, your week, whatever, I want you to enjoy it. What the heck are you doing this for if you're not going to enjoy it? Right? Why are you doing this? You say you love this food so much, you can't be trusted, but yet you're shoving it in so quickly that you're not even experiencing the joy of tasting it. So if you're going to eat the food, I want you to slow down. I want you to sit at a table, put that food on a plate. I don't care if it's an ice cream sandwich. Go put it on a plate anyway, right? 
it speaks intention. It means what I'm doing right now is important enough to go and get a ceramic plate and eat at the table when everybody else is eating in front of the TV. And then when you take that bite, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to move that food all around your mouth and I want you to taste it. Put it on every part of your tongue so you can explore the flavors. And I want you to slow down. I want you to chew it to the consistency of applesauce, savoring each and every moment and not making it go by too quickly. And then when you're ready, you're going to take another bite. And you're just going to rinse and repeat. You're going to do this over and over again until you have had your portion of what you've already decided is good for you. Right? I want you to enjoy it. Guys, I I see it way too often. People talk about foods. I like food too much. That's why I'm overweight. That's why I struggle with overeating. But yet they're eating so quickly and they're not being present during the eating experience that they're not getting that desired feeling that they're seeking out. And so they just continue eating because they didn't get it the first time around. So make sure if you're going to eat it, you really, really taste it. Taste the flavors, the consistency, the textures, the smells. I want you in it for all of it. All right, tip number six. You need to pause or plan. The two Ps. All right, so we've talked before about the different parts of your brain. The part of your brain in the very front by your forehead is called the prefrontal cortex. This is the part of your brain responsible for your goals, consequences, forward thinking, and logic. This is the part of your brain that you want to use when it comes to making choices about your nutrition because it has your goals in mind. It's the part of your brain that literally develops goals. Then there's a second part of your brain in the back, towards the very back of your head, that's called the midbrain. And some people call it the toddler brain because this part of your brain always makes decisions based on pain avoidance and immediate gratification. The problem with the midbrain is it always answers first. So when you pose a question, the midbrain always answers first. It's quick. The prefrontal cortex, the part that has your goals in mind, always slow out of the gate. It doesn't answer questions as quickly. So if you want to utilize the prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that has your goals in mind, we need to pause so that the prefrontal cortex can catch up and we need to plan. All right. We need to tell ourselves what we're going to do when we get into a situation. This is the only way that we can get our prefrontal cortex to be engaged in the conversation. All right. So let's say you're at home with vanilla Oreo cookies. Okay, so let's say I'm at home with vanilla Oreo cookies, right? (laughs) Again, it may not be your your food, your challenging food. And I see the bag and I'm like, oh my gosh, I want one. Now my prefrontal cortex isn't going to jump in and say, now Adrian, you just had dinner and you're not hungry Maybe let's wait till later or let's plan to have them at another day when you are hungry. My midbrain is going to jump in and be like, oh, let's eat them now. Let's avoid the discomfort of having to delay the food. And 
immediate gratification. Like, let's eat them now. Like, I don't want to be in any pain waiting and I don't want to wait. That's pretty much what your midbrain says. Let's do it right now. Right. And then you eat a few and your brain's like, oh, I don't want this to stop. This is too good. We never get to do this. I never allow myself to eat this food. So we should just keep going because what if this experience never, ever happens again? Right. We also tell ourselves that story. This will never, ever happen again. I don't know how many times I used to tell myself that back when I was struggling with my weight. I'm never going to eat this food ever, ever again. And I honestly believed it was true. Like a fool. I mean, of course I was going to eat that food again. But in the moment, I was like, okay, I believe you. So I'm just going to eat all of it right now because I'm never going to allow myself to have it again because it's a bad food and I'm only going to eat good foods. Right? So if you want your prefrontal cortex to jump in on the conversation, we have to pause a second. We have to not just jump in the moment we have a thought. I don't know if you guys remember, I taught you this thing a while back called first thought wrong. Uh, one of my clients taught me it uh, after he spent 30 days in rehab. They drilled this into his head. First thought wrong. Right? Something's not going right. I need a drink. Nope. First thought wrong. Second thought. It's the same thing with your prefrontal cortex. First thought wrong. Midbrain. Mm-mm, nope. We don't need to eat all of them because the truth is we don't live in scarcity around this food. We can go to the grocery store and get more. We can come back tomorrow and eat these cookies and still be doing a good job with our health and our diets. We have to pause. We have to just hold on a second and not be so reactive. A lot of my clients that struggle with their weight are very impulsive. And it's because they don't give themselves that breath to wait until the prefrontal cortex pops up and is engaged in the conversation. The other way we're going to use our prefrontal cortex is we're going to plan. So I want you to intentionally plan to have these foods on your terms, right? Give yourself permission to put two Oreo cookies on your plate at breakfast. When you give yourself permission to have it, you take away the power you assigned it. Because now it's not a forbidden food, it's an allowed food. And so when you see it, your brain can relax because it's not a, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Panic, panic, panic. I can't be trusted around this food. It's okay. All right. We decided to have this food at breakfast because we know it's at a time when we're not overly hungry. We know it's in an environment where we're not likely to overeat. Like I did all the work to make sure that this moment would go well. That's how you use your prefrontal cortex. And that's how you gain confidence. Because again, you go ahead and do that thing and then you celebrate it and your brain says, let's do it again. We got to win. Let's do it again. All right. The final thing I want to share when it comes to trigger foods is you're not alone. This is not abnormal to have foods that are challenging. Even people who have great relationships with food can struggle with certain foods. So you are, you are not an anomaly. <laughs> this is normal. And there may always be foods that you find challenging. So the goal isn't to have zero. 
The goal is just to decrease the, a number of foods that you call trigger foods and decrease the emotional response to those foods. Right? We need to turn down the dial a notch so we can take a breath, we can pause, and we can make the best decision for us in those moments. We need to be able to coexist, not control. That is the secret to long-lasting behavior change. All right, guys, let me get you your recipe for the week. Uh, this is a berry cottage cheese overnight oats. So I don't know if I shared before. I really like cottage cheese. I know some people don't care for the texture, the consistency, or the flavor, but I actually love it. It's something I have in my diet many times a week. And so when I found this variation of an overnight oat recipe with cottage cheese, I was all over it. Uh, so for this recipe, you're going to need a third a cup of oats, a half a cup of cottage cheese, a half a teaspoon of vanilla extract, one teaspoon of honey, a half a cup of unsweetened almond milk, two tablespoons of sliced almonds, and a third a cup of frozen berries. All right, so again, we're just making overnight oats here, but we're subbing out the cottage cheese for the yogurt. Uh, so first step, we're going to combine the oats, cottage cheese, vanilla, honey, milk, um, and half the almonds into a bowl. All right, mix well. And then go ahead and top with the berries. Then you're going to refrigerate that overnight or for at least eight hours. And then right before serving, top with the remaining sliced almonds and enjoy. So that's a really quick, easy breakfast idea for you. Maybe even a post-workout snack. Uh, but try it. See what you think. Gives you a lot of protein. Very fulfilling and tasty too. All right, guys. I hope you have a fantastic week. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrian Delgado, and I'll see you next week.